The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Seven of the first eight picks right now and half PPR ADP, according to Fantasy Pros, are running backs. And welcome to part one of our running back preview on tomorrow's show. On part two, we'll go through a thorough ADP review uh, round by round. Right now, uh, we're going to kind of just set the scene with the position, talk about our strategies and our general feelings toward running backs. We like them. They're cool. And uh, we'll do some sleepers, breakouts, busts as well. I'm Adam Azer with Dave Richard and Jamie Eisenberg. Jamie, it's going to be hard to draft running backs if we're in leagues with Dave because he takes them all, right? Um, He can't take them all because he only has a certain number of picks. So uh, there are, thankfully, plenty of other running backs to take. (laughs) But yes, Dave likes taking a, a, a lot of running backs when he gets a chance. I I noted in my running back tiers and strategy story that's on the website that when I die, you're going to put running back guy on my tombstone. (laughs) That's what I'm going to go down as is the running back guy because I just draft so many of them. But there's a good reason for it. I want to have as many opportunities as I can to get running backs to uh, lead my team to the fantasy playoffs. They score a lot of points. They sure do, and you get the right one, and you hit, and you get one of those uh, 1,700 total yard kind of guys, you're in business. So we'll talk about some recent trends in terms of what you're looking for in catches, um, what round you should be looking at. I know Ben Gretsch is in here, but I'm going to give a little love to his running back dead zone theory and talk to you about what round three and round four running backs have done over the last three years, basically. Uh, Here are some some players who have been drafted in round three in the last three years. Ty Montgomery. Oh, God. Alex Collins. Oh, God. Uh, on Johnson last year. That wasn't so good. Isaiah Crowell was a round three that. pick. I remember that. Uh, let's see. Royce Freeman was a round three pick. Hmm. Who else? Devontae Freeman last year. That wasn't terrible. But Sony Michelle at one point uh, was a round three pick and half PPR last year. So it's, it's a dangerous zone. Uh, let's start with this. I want to draft blank running backs in the first blank rounds. And any answer you guys give, I'll just say, look, we'd love to have two running backs with our first pick or one, but hey, if Julio Jones and Travis Kelsey are there, maybe we'll take those guys. So there's nothing set in stone. But Dave, I want to draft blank running backs with my first blank uh, in the first blank rounds. Three running backs in the first five rounds. Okay. Jamie? Two in the first two. Expand on that because, like I said, it's not set in stone. But what are you, you yeah. know, what are you looking for? Uh, I haven't done any drafts, and obviously, I do a lot of drafts. I haven't done any drafts lately where I've had a pick in the first three overall selections. So it's a little bit more challenging if you have one of those draft spots. I did have a pick in the fourth spot. Uh, it was our flex draft, and I took Aaron Jones. I think he's the last one that should go in the first two rounds, um, just based on what has transpired this off season. And where I think some of the rookies will come into play, which 
what I mean by that is I don't think AJ Dillon is going to be as much of a factor as maybe we thought coming out of the NFL draft. So I still think Jones is the last one of the uh, round one and two running back picks. But I find myself um, lately passing on or not being able to draft Michael Thomas or Devontae Adams. And so I just end up taking two running backs. I think you're going to find that when we get into round two, where I think is, and, and we're seeing this, the average draft position for Julio Jones and Tyree Kill and uh, Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. Um, I, I think, you know, once you look at all the receivers that are going to go, you get maybe DeAndre Hopkins, uh, who I'm not drafting in the second round, um, and Chris Godwin. Um, and that's kind of, I think, it. You know, you're, you're looking at, you know, maybe at most six wide receivers. So, um, Round three and round four are very good for the receivers. I just think if you get two running backs early, it's it's a good spot to start. Good way to start. All right. And where do the tight ends factor in? So like Aaron Jones versus a tight end. For me, I would take Aaron Jones um, depending on the size of the league and the format. So if it's a 10-team league, I'll probably take the tight end. If it's a 12-team league, I'll probably take the running back. Tight end for me. Kelsey is that, Kittle. Is that just because of how you feel about Aaron Jones? I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I would take Kelsey, obviously, over Aaron Jones. I, I'm look, I'm thinking more Kittle uh, at the back end of round two. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little more nervous about Aaron Jones. I don't think he can replicate what he's done the last year and a half of his career. And I think the Packers brought in A.J. Dillon for more than just, well, we need a guy for 2021 when Jones and Jamal Williams are free agents. They want to run the ball. Matt LaFleur said he wants to use three running backs. That's nails on a chalkboard for a fantasy manager. Right, but I think if we if if there's no AJ Dillon, we we had this conversation pre NFL draft. There's no AJ Dillon. He's a he's a first round pick. Yeah, but there's and an so, AJ Dillon. Right, and so you know you go from 19 total touchdowns. He's got to still be close to 10, and I think he still be will still be close to 10 total touchdowns. And I don't think he's going to lose 15 touchdowns based on what he did a year ago. I don't think his yardage just completely falls off the map. So he still falls in the conversation for me of guys that I would take. I I, I would. I've said this before, you know, you heard me say this last year about the tight ends. I think he's the bridge running back. I think he's the guy that once you get from the number one guys to the number two guys, he's a guy that's going to be drafted and ranked anywhere between 10 and probably 15, depending on who's ever ranked list you look at. But I think he's in that conversation. I would take him over James Conner, Todd Gurley, you know, other guys that we see go in the second round, Le'Veon Bell, those other guys. Um, I'm, I'm certainly expecting, you know, negative regression, <laughs> however we like to define the word, uh, but regression in a bad way for Aaron Jones, exactly what Dave said. But to the point of uh, where I was, because, you know, it, it's the whole rookie conversation. We can't sit here and say uh, downgrade, downgrade, downgrade rookies and not factor in the, the veterans who benefit. And A.J. Dillon, I think, loses because of the offseason and, and Aaron Jones to a smidge benefits. Okay, I don't want to make too much of Aaron Jones, but he is, I think, for a lot of people, maybe in a tier by himself or a bridge running back, as Jamie calls him. And so let's go through, I guess, the running backs that feel like the the ones that we feel comfortable with in the first two rounds. And I think that's going to be 13 to 14 running backs. All right, so I'll just say the obvious ones. McCaffrey, Barkley, Elliott, uh, Kamara, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook. Let me get let me get PPR rankings up here, but I'm gonna yeah, get Henry won't be that high in PPR for obvious reasons. McCaffrey, Barkley, Elliott, Kamara, Cook, Clyde Edwards, Elair, Miles Sanders. These are round one picks for us. Um, Joe Mixon is a round one pick in ADP, and then yep. you get like Kenyon Drake, Austin Eckler, Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, and Nick Chubb. And I think everyone I just said is an easy round two pick at the latest, right? 
they'll be gone by the end of round two, if not the middle of round two. But for you guys, those, you, those guys you, are gone. They too. should be okay. Um, well, that's thirteen. That brings us to number fourteen. For both of you, it's Aaron Jones. For Heath, it's Aaron Jones is fifteenth because he has Chris Carson in the top fourteen. But that's thirteen running backs for sure we like in the in the second first or second round. And Aaron Jones. Jamie appears to be a little bit high, even though they have him ranked the same. Jamie, it seems like is a little higher on him. I was, and, and again, I'll go back to it. You know, uh, prior or following the NFL draft, I thought he, I, it, it's in our magazine. You know, I, I put him as a bust and, you know, I still think again, where his numbers were a year ago to where his numbers will be now, he qualifies in that category. But uh, to what degree he's going to fall off is the question. And again, you know, I, I said this about Marlon Mack. I said this about Karen Johnson, I said about Damian Williams before he was put on the, the coat or before he opted out that, the lack of an offseason for the guys that are in competitions was going to hurt them to some degree. And, you know, we're going to find out how much um, the guys that aren't in competitions now, uh, Edward Tiller being really the, the, the one that stands out, is going to get an opportunity to walk into as many touches as he can handle. Now, at some point, A.J. Dillon may take on a significant amount of work, and that's the thing you have to gauge with Aaron Jones. It is funny, though, because I think the three of us, with our rankings and, and I'll throw Ben in there also. Cause I think Ben and I have sort of moved Aaron Jones up. Ben Gretchen, I have sort of moved Aaron Jones up a little bit based on where he's been drafting. Him. I don't want to speak for him, but uh, when I took Aaron Jones in the flex draft, Adam, you know, we did that draft on Sirius XM. Uh, the first thing they asked me was, wow, you got Aaron Jones at 21 overall. You must've been doing cartwheels. I was <laughs> like, uh, no, that's kind of where I think he should go. You know, somewhere between 20 and 24, 20, 26, you know, just a, uh, However, you know, you sort of view it, but, you know, those guys were through the roof. And I think industry-wise, we're down on a guy that was the number two running back last year based on his touchdown total. Yeah, he was uh, second in PPR. He was third in non-PPR behind Derrick Henry. Obviously, McCaffrey was first. Why don't people, why are we a little unsure about Aaron Jones? Because he only had five games last year with more than 13 carries. About half of his catches came in four or five games without Devontae Adams. So All of his receiving touchdowns without him. Yeah, he didn't have the touches when everybody was healthy, he didn't have the touches that you would expect. So I guess what I was trying to ask was how can you justify taking him over Kelsey, which you're not, but a lot of people are or Kittle who was better than Kelsey on a per game basis, a little bit better last year, or I would say even Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, you know, why wouldn't you take a sure thing instead you, you of taking absolutely this bridge sh- running? You back? should, you should, if you're concerned about Aaron Jones, it sounds like Dave is, you know, if you're that concerned that, it's going to go from the 19 total touchdowns to eight or less, let's just say, or 10 or less. And the yards come completely down and the receptions aren't there. Uh, then you, you take the, the safe route. You take the short. We had this conversation on a previous podcast about Chris Carson versus the quarterbacks. Adam, that was a question that you asked, uh, taking the short thing versus a running back who's been very good. Same thing. You know, you want to say, uh, I think Dave put a year and a half on Aaron Jones. Uh, when Chris Carson has been healthy over the last two years, he's been exceptional. And so uh, it, it's, it's, Almost the same conversation. I just look at it that if I can get him as a second running back and what I think he'll do in that second running back group, like you said, tier of his own bridge, uh, maybe he's in the same conversation as Carson for Heath or uh, Gurley or Connor or Gordon, you know, kind of that next group of guys, or, you know, Ben Gretsch would throw probably Jonathan Taylor into there as well. Then you go the other route. If you're concerned about that and Kittle is 
obviously awesome. And Mahomes and Jackson, if they're healthy and right, they're going to be awesome. I just think that if you can lock up these running backs based on the position, based on what they should be able to do, based on the receivers that we're going to see in round three or four and five, uh, it just kind of puts your team in a little bit of a different spot. So while I love, forget about the tight end scenario and the quarterback scenario. While I love that group of receivers, it, it's DJ Moore, it's Godwin, it's uh, you want to throw Hopkins in there, you know, ADP, whatever rankings, uh, Galladay, Ridley, Cup, you know, Robinson, you know, depending on format, all those guys are awesome. I just think that if you can get them around later, whichever one falls to you, Smith Schuster, you know, it, it's it's just a little bit different way to build your team as opposed to going one of those receivers and then Connor Gordon or or Carson. I, I think Jones is better than them. All right, Dave, how do you feel in general about running backs this year? Is there depth and is zero RB a viable strategy? I think the depth is okay. It's the least deep position of all the positions this year. Receiver, like Jamie knows it about what you're going to get in rounds three and four. It's awesome. And you're going to find... At, at receiver, not a running back. At receiver. Right. Yeah, listen, there's going to be some good running backs that make it to round three as well. Um, Jamie's bridge might be one running back. For me, it's three running backs. It's Jones and Connor and Carson. I like all three of those guys as number two, or if you can somehow pull it off, number three running backs for your squad, you'd be rolling in it. Um, there's a lot of interesting names this year. Many of them are rookies. So if, if you really feel a certain way about the rookie class and the fact that they haven't had a typical offseason, maybe you don't feel so good about them. I think it's pretty easy for a running back to acclimate to running in the NFL. It's all the other stuff, the route running, the catching, the pass protection. That stuff is probably going to take them a little bit longer, but it depends on the running back. I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire will probably re be ready to go with everything except you know, being a great pass blocker right away, whereas somebody like Jonathan Taylor might take him a little while to be good at catching the football and blocking for Phillip Rivers. Like he might really be specifically a two down player for the first half to three quarters of the season. But to answer your question, I, I, and I think this is the reason why you take running backs early, get as many as you feel comfortable getting early. The position is shallow, especially once you get past round five, there's a lot of names there that you're not going to feel that good about. Yeah, but I, I really... All right, so let me just go over these trends here for rounds one, two, three, and four over the last three seasons. Uh, round one's pretty good. I mean, we do a pretty good job drafting running backs. Some of them get hurt. David Johnson three years ago was the number one pick, and he got hurt right away, and that stinks. Le'Veon Bell was... Uh, like the second or third pick, and he sat out the entire season. His replacement happened to be the number six running back that year. But round one running backs, we pretty much, you know, as a fantasy community, we're good at identifying the great running backs. It's not that hard. <laughs> so you have a lot of success in round one. Now this year, there's a lot more, there's a lot of round one running backs this year. I mean, the people are going running back crazy, so maybe we won't have a high, as high of a success rate. But round one's good. Round two is pretty good. There are some busts. Um, We've had, uh, you know, like uh, Dalvin Cook a couple years ago was RB29. He was RB19 per game. He missed some time. Devontae Freeman played two games. These running backs get hurt more so than wide receivers. Jordan Howard was a round two pick once upon a time. He finishes RB20 that year. But I would say pretty good in round two. Round three, bad. Um, there, there were really some terrible picks. Um, I'm going to try to look at just the last three years summarizing it. 18 running backs. I was using Fantasy Football Calculator for ADP. 18 running backs have been selected in round three. Eight of them finished outside the top 30. Eight out of 18 finished outside the top 30. 10 of 18 finished outside the top 24. 
And only three of those 18 running backs finished as top 10 running backs. That was Leonard Fournette and Carlos Hyde in 2017 and Aaron Jones last year. She's talking 18 running backs. Three of them finished top 10. Round three, not very good. And you can imagine round four, even worse. 14 running backs drafted in the last three years. Only two of them, both of them last year, Mark Ingram and Derrick Henry, finished in the top 10. So Ben has, oh, I'm going to be Ben Gretsch here. He's always you know, made this point about the running back dead zone. And it's basically, I think it's after round two. And I think there's really a lot to say about it. I mean, and that is a scary zone this year. I mean, that's Melvin Gordon and Todd Gurley and Le'Veon Bell, guys that are at the back end of the career. And um, maybe you're talking like Devin, uh, David Montgomery and Devin Singletary. We're going to like some of these guys. But I think the reality is a lot of them are going to be busts. A lot of them are going to be busts. I think the thing about that group, though, that you mentioned is – if we were in a different circumstance where we're not seeing everybody sort of rushing to these running backs because the wide receiver group isn't as deep. And I think this year is one of the deepest group of wide receivers that we're ever going to see, especially if some of these guys like Will Fuller and Marquise Brown and Darius Slate and Deontay Johnson, some of these guys that we're talking about that you're getting in round five, round six, round seven, depending on when you're drafting them, if they hit, uh, which I think they will, um, then you're, you're going to want to get some of these guys a little bit sooner than you may have in years past. So I think as we started to see at the beginning of our draft process, uh, following the NFL draft, maybe a little before that, that Melvin Gordon was like a round five pick. And, you know, James Conner, because there was some uncertainty about what his health was. And even after the NFL draft, when they drafted McFarland, he was like around five, round six pick. Um, and our average draft just on CBS kind of reflects that a little bit with where these guys are going. But in the industry drafts, you're seeing all these guys get pushed up. Like Todd Gurley's being drafted in the second round. Uh, that's my opinion, Ugh. a little bit too soon. Uh, Chris Carson, early third round. Again, you could debate the merits of that, but I think too soon. Uh, you know, James Conner, Melvin Gordon, those guys. Fournette, uh, Fournette is, uh, Fournette much is another higher everywhere than, uh, yeah, than that one's ridiculous. And, and uh, another good name. Uh, but, but you mentioned Singletary, Montgomery, you know, those guys probably shouldn't be in, in the fourth round, but they are. Um, so to, to Ben's theory, um, I think those, the, the, the top end of that group, can still be very good, you know, because of what their roles should be. I mean, you know, Connor looks like he's going to hold off everybody as long as he's healthy. Uh, Gurley has no competition at this point. Um, Melvin Gordon is stepping into a potentially great situation, even though Philip Lindsay's there. But, you know, those guys seem to be somewhat safe. Carson, you know, now with Rashad Penny uh, looking like he's not going to be ready to start the season, even though Carlos Hyde's there, should still be very good. So um, I think those group, that group is, is, it's still looking like it's pretty okay. It's that next group of guys. And I know Dave will throw Ronald Jones in there. Um, yep. You know, you, you could throw, uh, again, maybe all of the the, the second-tier rookie guys, Taylor, Swift, um, Akers a, as well. Uh, Would there you are put a lot Mostert of, in there? Uh, you could throw Mostert in there in non-PPR. I don't think he's going to be there in PPR. But um, with the names you mentioned, Adam, it, it's that's the group to me that's the scary part. And that's why I think – if the way I've been drafting lately and I'll probably continue to is get two guys early that you really like, try to avoid that group and then take some flyers on guys. Uh, the Zach Mosses, now Antonio Gibson, um, you know, and, and then the, the later group of the Chase Edmonds, the Tony Pollard, you know, the guys that if they do hit, then you're in really, really great shape. But uh, I think if you get two guys that you really like and you're comfortable with a decent third guy and then just take some flyers, that's kind of the way I'm going to approach a lot of it. All right. 
Uh, Dave, I'll get your running back strategy in just a moment. I want to promote a few things here. We got a live mock draft on Twitch tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern, Tuesday night. Please join us on Twitch, twitch.com slash FF today. We're also giving away eight spots in our Twitch Listeners League to subscribers. And we're back on CBS Sports HQ, noon Eastern, Monday through Friday, CBS Sports HQ app or cbssportshq.com. It was a great week on HQ last week. We had a five-star defensive tackle announce where he was going to college live on CBS Sports HQ. He was deciding between the University of Miami and some hideous university that wears blue and orange up in Gainesville. Who the hell would go to Gainesville? Not this guy. He's going to Miami. I know you saw it, Jamie. I know you saw it, Dave. It was wonderful. Yeah, I saw it the same day you had one of your star players opt out. We like that. <laughs> hey, at least we have star players. Oh, we, we we did anyway before Thursday. Did. Yeah, Once yeah. Upon a time. Um, all right. So uh, let's talk. Uh, I, I, before yeah. before David, because I, I, I don't think we answered the question. I do think zero RB is a is a viable strategy because if you can get Thomas or Adams in the first round, there's a very good chance you can get Hill or Julio in the second round, and that's a pretty good start. You just have to be a little bit okay with those running backs that we talked about previously as one of your top guys. Yeah, I can't yeah. do it. I, I can't recommend it. If I, if I had to do it, it would be strictly full PPR, preferably 10 managers or fewer. But I just, I think the running back depth as is as lean as it, it could possibly, not as possibly could be, because there's some interesting names, but because it's the leanest, I'm, I, I can't do it. I can't recommend zero RB this year, except for specific terms, small league, small lineups and uh, PPR. All right. Look, if you Devonte Adams and then you take Travis Kelsey and then you take, Oh my gosh, I love Calvin Ridley in round three. I can't pass him up. He's going to be a breakout. And then you take another, and then you take another wide receiver in round four or something like that. Who could you theoretically be looking at in round five? You could have Mark Ingram, David Montgomery, Devin Singletary, um, round six, you might be able to get Raheem Mostert or DeAndre Swift. Ronald Jones should be in there. Ronald Jones yep. is in there. Kareem Hunt could be in there at See, some it's not, point. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. You got, you got to make sure. Bad, but everybody else in the league is going to have at least one of those right. really good running backs. Right. And, and you're going to wish you had one of them. And, and they're also going to have pretty good receivers, but you may have the best. And if you end up with, I, I don't think it's going to be, you know, I, you, you got to hope that you can get, you know, maybe Mahomes or, or Jackson fall into round three. That makes it a little bit different. Um, you got to hope that you can get if you don't take Kelsey or Kittle that, you know, Andrews or Ertz are maybe there in round four. So you want to be top heavy at those other spots. And that's the way to do it. And then you got to hope that you get a couple lottery ticket situations. You get the next yeah. Raheem Mostert, the next Nick Chubb, the next Alvin Kamara, where those guys started each of the last three years. You got to hope that Ronald Jones is as good as Dave thinks he's going to be. You got to hope that Antonio Gibson steps into this role and he's fantastic. You know, there's a lot of guys. The only thing about it that, that makes it fun is you lock up those receivers tight end quarterback, however you build it to, to start. And then you just take all these flyers on these running backs. And yeah. it just, it, it, it's a, it's a fun way to, to go about it. And in, in formats, it matters, you know, because uh, most are in Montgomery, non PPR, Terry Cohen, Gibson, James White in, in PPR, you know, those guys can still be top 24 caliber type of players yeah. uh, depending on other receptions that they get. Right. I mean, like I said, you, if you get an elite tight end and, and let's say you're playing in a PPR league with three wide receivers or something like that, I, I, I'm not comfortable doing it, but because last year it worked out so badly, but last year zero RB didn't work because the wide, the elite wide receivers had a really down year. 
Juju, Beckham, Hopkins wasn't even, you know, Hopkins and Julio, they finished high, but they weren't their normal selves. It just was a bad year. And Kelsey had five touchdowns. But if if things go back to normal and the elite receivers are elite and Kelsey has eight touchdowns or something, then, and you get Tariq Cohen as your number two running back and he's a top 20 guy because he has 80 catches or something, you might, you might crush it that way. You might. So I don't want to completely rule it out, but I don't think, none of us have been doing it. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, those those top running backs are really good. And the receivers are seeing their targets spread just a little bit thinner across the board because teams are moving towards spread formations, getting their second and third receivers a little more involved, getting their tight ends, their running backs just a little bit more involved. Some teams have running quarterbacks. They get more involved, and they're taking work away from all these guys. Another trend you should know is about running back receptions. You've heard this before if you listen to the show, because I say it all the time. But if you're new, in the last four seasons, there have only been two running backs who have finished top five with less than 49 catches. And I hate Aaron Jones because he had 49 catches. And if he had just had 50, this would be a much better number with a round number. Um, But... Less than 49 catches, only two in any format have finished top five over the last four years. So how do you do that? You're Ezekiel Elliott or you're Derrick Henry. You get 300 carries. You get all the touchdowns. You have great year. It's possible. But 50 Where was catches, Henry last year? He wasn't in that group? He was one of the two. In the last four years, Derrick Henry oh, and Ezekiel Elliott. Henry and Jones? Yeah, yeah. No, Henry and, and Zeke and are the Zeke. only ones with less oh, than 49. Jones didn't do it? Jones had 49. Jones had 49 receptions. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's I'm, all, I'm all over. So he qualified. Um However, look, you don't have to get a top five running back. There's plenty of room at the back of the top 12, as we've seen, for players with less than 50 catches. It does happen. But 50 catches is a nice benchmark, something you should be looking for. Quality of offense, you're looking for running backs and great offenses. I think as the catches have gone up for for running backs, that has not mattered quite as much. You look at some of the leaders in like carries inside the five-yard line, which could be a predictor of touchdowns. You're talking about Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, Christian McCaffrey. These guys weren't on very good offenses last year, so that hasn't mattered as much. I guess maybe, guys, I'm not sure I love, love running backs on bad offenses that don't catch the ball. That could be a trap. Um, you know, but but we'll, but it has that has not been as much of an indicator lately as, uh, as receptions, for example. No, but it makes sense because if a team is trailing, if they have a losing record, then obviously they're trailing at some point in the game and the running back who can't catch isn't going to be on the field when they're playing from behind. Right, and maybe that limits Joe Mixon's upside from being top five to being a top 10 guy, maybe, but we'll see. Well, I know you guys like him quite a bit, so we'll talk about Mixon. Um, I Have we answered this? What is your overall running back strategy? If we have, we can move on. I, I think Jamie basically nailed it. I, I'm not going to commit to taking a running back with each of my first two picks, no matter what I want to see what's there in round two. And it's pretty easy to do this in non PPR, like my top 11 names and my top 200 in non PPR, all running backs. Michael Thomas is 12th for me in non PPR, but it's different in full PPR. There's a couple of receivers in there, but I would prefer to get a running back in round one, kind of take my temper, take the temperature of the draft and see, what's available in round two. And if there's a running back I like, I'm going to take him and takes the pressure off of trying to find one in late round three. If I'm picking an early round two, not as much pressure if I'm picking late in round two, because I know I'm up again soon in round three and hopefully one of the bridge running backs, Jones, Connor Carson can be there for me. But 
draft a lot of running backs. And if you go zero RB for whatever reason, maybe you don't like what I said about it. Don't draft a lot of bench wide receivers because you're never going to bench the sud receivers that you get. That makes more spots on your bench for running backs. Do you ever consider taking running back with each of your first three picks? I've done, done that a couple before. Times. Yeah. yeah. I've done yeah. a couple times in some of our mocks uh, um, just to see uh, how it, how it plays out. You know, I've been trying to be a little bit different with how I've been approaching the mock drafts just because uh, we've had this conversation off the air that I, I think, you know, we, we tend to know what each of us are doing. Um, and so I, I've tried to take a little bit of a different approach with it. So I find that in three receiver leagues, I don't love it as much. Uh, because you're you're chasing in some cases the second receiver, and I think it's it's okay if you're chasing the third receiver, but if you're chasing the second guy, it kind of makes it a little bit difficult in a three receiver PPR league. So um, it's not bad. It's not bad because you know, like the guy that I usually end up taking as the third guy is James Conner, and you know if I if if I have him as as the third option, um, I know that. I have a good three man rotation of, you know, top 15 caliber running backs, but I've, I've, I've written about this a few times. Like uh, I, I know I did it in one draft where I passed on Allen Robinson and, you know, it's like you, you play the uh, I forget who it was, but you know, uh, James Connor and this receiver versus Allen Robinson and that running back, you know, or Allen Robinson and that flex. And it always ends up being better if I had taken the receiver. So, um, you know, it's just one of those, uh, one of those things, just depending on how you want to build your team. But, um, like Dave said, you know, three in the first five, Adam, again, I'll reference that flex draft. I took Jonathan Taylor in the fourth round after taking Alvin Kamara and Aaron Jones. And so I went Kamara Jones, DJ Moore in the third round, Jonathan Taylor in the fourth round. And then, uh, Terry McLaurin was there in the fifth round. Like, I love that start because that gives me two stol- solid wide receivers that could be studs and, uh, a third running back that hopefully hits and is great. But if he doesn't, I didn't really miss too much. And okay. I, this is kind of where I was talking, you know, with the make sure you get that if you get that second wide receiver that you're okay with, and I think that's the big part of it. All right. And James Conner, by the way, I mean, he, he was on pace. He played 10 games. He was on pace for 54 catches, and he left two of those games super early. 14 so, touchdowns, too. Oh, yeah. Well, he, he was on pace for a, another huge year. Yeah. Right. And in 2018, yeah. his 16 game pace was 68 catches. And that's just, you know, the history of, of Ben Roethlisberger throwing to running backs. Um, so I know we'll talk more about Connor, probably more tomorrow, but he's really interesting because we've seen his potential. He was RB six two years ago, um, but I think the question is how will the sh- will the carries be divided and the touches there? We'll get into that a little bit later. There, there's a report that Jalen Samuels may not make the final roster, so you know not that he was going to be a big factor, but that's still one less mouth to feed. And so now you're looking at it as Connor. McFarland who, and, and, and Snell's somebody that they keep talking up quite a bit. Right. I mean, that's it's, it's, the one that you want to get if you get it's, Connor. It's uh it's very interesting. Well, I think the thing is like that's the that's the handcuff if you're looking at it from an injury standpoint. I wonder though if McFarland's gonna play a little bit more just based on what his role could be as a complement to James Connor because and he's it would not be a perfect fit. Yeah, he's not he's not somebody that profiled. It's almost like the Washington conversation that we had. It's 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 one of those scenarios. I'm I'm sorry to derail it out Adam, but um you know, I think Snell could be the benefactor if Connor misses time. And McFarland is just like a change of pace guy who would have to outplay Snell in order to be that guy for Pittsburgh in the event that Connor does get hurt again. Yeah. I'll say yeah. Snell and, and McFarland, I think we're both fourth round picks in the NFL draft. And truth be told, there are not a lot of good 
Not a lot of successful day three guys. Day three sucks. Like, don't even watch day three of the NFL draft. But it's such a it's such a different experience now because of where running backs get sort of pushed down, as we right. say. Maybe, but I still don't see that many good day three running backs. Um, but all right, sure. Uh, I mean, the, the better ones go early. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. It kind of makes sense, huh? How about half PPR, <laughs> PPR, non PPR? How much does format matter uh, when it comes to drafting running backs? I mean. Drafting three in the first three rounds, I mean, I personally could only do that, I think, in a in a non-PPR league where running backs are just king. But I don't know. Is it a huge difference for you depending on the format? I feel like the talent pool is even thinner in non-PPR because guys who you would count on for catches, and Jamie's mentioned Cohen and James White, and Gibson certainly looks like he'll be that guy for Washington. Those guys aren't nearly as intriguing because you, you don't get you know 70-plus receptions, which is what they should be ticketed for. So I would say there's a little bit more pressure to, to nail running backs because the, the ones that don't catch a lot of passes um, outside of Mostert and maybe David Montgomery, depending on how you feel about David Montgomery, you're looking at guys like Jordan Howard, Marlon Ronald Mack Jones. to start your year. Ronald Jones is good, but I think Ronald Jones, uh, he's not catching 49 passes, but he'll get over 30. He'll mm. do okay. I, he'll, he did it last year. He can do it again this year. I'm... I, I don't think the talent pool is nearly as deep in non-PPR for running back. That makes sense. Yeah, uh, right. Like, who's going to be excited about Tariq Cohen and James White in non-PPR? And I Suckers. think huge, Suckers well. yeah, huge final question, and we're going to take a break. Then we'll do sleepers, breakouts, busts, and then we'll get into ADP for the uh, probably the first two rounds. Uh, how do we feel about the rookies right now? What do we expect this year? Because we get great rookie running backs every year. It's just a gold mine. What about this year? There's one that's amazing. You know, uh, uh, Lou Riddick, who's now going to be a Monday Night Football analyst, he tweeted today that he should be the first overall pick. <laughs> that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire should be the first overall pick. Um, uh, I think, you know, it's it's so interesting with the offseason, with what these guys have had to deal with and what they will deal with and the fact that all of them now, except for Edward Slayer, because of the Damian Williams situation, are walking into competitions. And, you know, there's a wide range of outcomes. It's on Johnson getting hurt and DeAndre Swift could be a star. It's Cam Akers blowing away Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown and the coaches just can't keep him off the field. Um, J.K. Dobbins needs an injury probably to, to be a star, but if that happens, he may be the best of the bunch. And, and Jonathan Taylor, you know, there's a report from The Athletic that Frank Reich said, um, essentially, like if he's if he's going well, he's going to stay on the field. So he's going to clearly open yeah. sharing with Marlon Mack. But you know, I I think we've talked about this a lot. He's the more talented of the two, and he could keep Marlon Mack on the bench for more times than not. So it's a very fascinating situation. Um, and I think as we're seeing with the Washington situation, you know, Gibson's now got a got a great chance. Uh, my, you know, I I give you one of my favorite sleepers. Uh, the guy I would mention is Josh Kelly. You know, there's 206 total touches available in that Chargers backfield with Melvin Gordon gone and he's competing with Justin Jackson uh, for that role. And so if he gets that job uh, while Eckler could still be great, Josh Kelly could be, you know, uh, a starter uh, for your fantasy team. So um, it, it's, it's just a really fascinating group and in a, in a different off season, you know, those guys may have all been the, the top four uh, Edward Solaire, Taylor acres and, and Swift Um all drafted in the first five rounds with probably a lot of confidence. But now I think there's got to be a little bit of trepidation about where you're taking them and what the early part of the season could look like. Yeah, but if you want one, you got to go a little bit earlier maybe than you're comfortable with, especially, I mean, forget about Clyde Edwards-Elair. He's in a class of his own, but 
I can't sit here and be like, well, I can't take Jonathan Taylor in round three. That's ridiculous. I, I, I don't want to. I'm hoping it's round four like Jamie was able to pull off in the flex league. But I guess if I'm in a league with Gretch, I know I'm not getting him. But I what really, ben I, said? I really ben want, said? I really want Jonathan Taylor. That's the point. Like I really right. want Jonathan Taylor. Well, so, that's why it's again. It's you know we do a lot of drafts with each, you know, with with all of us, and and we know our tendencies. Uh, the fact that Ben said he was pulling back on Jonathan Taylor was a little shocking to me. Um, I wonder if he's doing that in his personal drafts with his buddies, as opposed to just you know with us, where you know we know that he's going to be the one that usually pulls the trigger. Um, I was, like I said, I was thrilled to get him as as my third guy, just with the hope that he becomes what I think he could become. Yeah, well, I'm looking at last year's ADP, Miles Sanders. I'm gonna check another source, but on Fantasy Football Calculator, Miles Sanders was around five pick. Josh Jacobs was around three pick. Singletary was around was the end of round seven. Uh, let me see where Montgomery was going. Uh, also round three, he was ahead of Josh Jacobs. Um, but they had like clear paths to the starting role, and they were going in round three. So that made sense, even though Montgomery was a terrible pick. Well, the thing, the thing about it is, like, if you were to say for Montgomery prior to the season, he's getting 250-plus total touches, everybody would have taken the third round without hesitation. Yeah, right. He just didn't come through. All right. All right, we'll take a break here. And uh, when we come back, sleepers, breakouts, busts, and a little bit of ADP. Remember, we have two shows for running back. So stay tuned for tomorrow's show. All right, we'll be right back on Fantasy Football today. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official no one's got a ride like this there's nothing else that sounds like feels like or looks like the set of wheels in your garage with over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride-or-die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, sleepers, breakouts, and busts. Dave, who's your favorite sleeper? Does Antonio Gibson still count as a sleeper? I think so. Or is it a little, you know, is he out of the barn a little bit now? I, I loved drafting him in the good old days of round 10, round 11, maybe even round 12. And uh, I'm a little nervous that that's not going to happen anymore. I'm a little worried that he's going to get overdrafted. 
So I'm not going to say him because I think he's going to be too popular. I think people are sleeping a little bit too much on Daryl Henderson in L.A. And I, I believe that he still has some really good talent. I think he's capable of playing three downs. He may end up being their passing downs guy to begin the year. I think he's a pretty good receiver out of the backfield. He's got great breakaway speed. He's got pretty good size to him. And I, I thought of him because I thought about Gibson. And these guys were teammates in college. And, and they both kind of did the same thing without getting a ton of work. And I wonder if Henderson just took the first year of his career, realized some of his mistakes, cleaned them up. He goes to L.A. He doesn't have to worry quite as much about the offensive line if he's going to be a passing downs back. And, you know, he gets around that, catching the ball. Obviously, he's not running between the tackles. And I think he could end up being 45-plus receptions and maybe getting – if he's truly splitting, he'll get well more than 100 carries. But – very boomer bust year last year in terms of carry per carry or carry to carry, I should say. But when, when he made a play, he was a lot of fun to watch. He was very lightning quick. And when he didn't, he was running into the butt of his offensive lineman. That wasn't as much fun. I think he's got some potential and I think you could still get him close to, if not in the double digit rounds. Yep. ADP right now has Daryl Henderson after pick 120 and Antonio Gibson right around pick 120. Uh, and then I looked at Antonio Gibson. I ran NFC. I have no idea. We're doing this on the 9th of August at night. I just ran ADP from August 8th to August 9th, and that's where Gibson's in like 123 or something like that, and Henderson's around later. Okay. Yeah. So people are going crazy with Antonio well, Gibson. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's one day. It's two days. You know, I, who knows? Watch but I don't those think carries. They he, he's not going to get a ton of carries. In, he's like Tariq Cohen and James White light. Like that's what you're hoping for. Like that type of player. I do think there's 70 catch potential. Okay. I don't think I don't think Anderson has nearly that much potential. It could happen. Yeah, I'd take the under on 70 catches. I, I'd be fine with 50. For who? For Gibson or Henderson? No, yeah, for, Gibson. Gibson, right. No, I think there's 70 catch potential. All right, let's go to Jamie's sleeper. I mean, I said it, Josh Kelly. You know, I I I just look at, you know, Justin Jackson's had a couple of opportunities now. Uh, last year, you know, when Melvin Gordon was holding out, he's had some injury replacement chances the last couple of years, and he just hasn't taken advantage of it. So we'll see uh, with a new quarterback and, you know, uh, clear path to playing time for Jackson. But I, I think Kelly coming out of UCLA wasn't great. Uh, Dave's talked about this a lot. You know, he did well at the Combine. Um, I think he's going to be the Senior Bowl. Uh, senior Bowl. I mean, he did yeah. good at the Combine, too, but um, Senior Bowl is really where he's Yes, stuck. I'm sorry, the Senior Bowl. Um, you know, I, I just think there's an opportunity for him to – if not take all of those 200 plus touches, and there may be more because of the offense changing with Tyrod Taylor as the quarterback compared to Rivers, you know, so while Eckler gets a bump, um, clearly, uh, you know, there could still be those 200 touches, however it gets, you know, shifted around that Kelly can take uh, the bulk of. And so, you know, for a guy that you're getting basically for free on draft day, uh, if he does step into that role with a better offensive line, they added two pieces, you know, in Balaga and Trey Turner, um, this could be a, a real good standout player. And if Eckler, for whatever, falters as the lead rusher, then it could be Jackson and Kelly fighting for those numbers if, you know, Eckler doesn't hold up for whatever reason, wear and tear or whatever, uh, or gets hurt. Um, I, I love taking Josh Kelly. I get mad every time somebody takes him ahead of him. <laughs> well, you probably waiting a little bit too long as Josh Kelly is going 157th overall, so plenty of opportunity to get him. Not in our draft, though. He goes sooner than that. Your favorite breakout running back, Jamie, who would it be? Josh Jacobs, um, you know, for a guy that, uh, you know, that is going toward the back end of round one or the beginning of round two, you know, so I'm not going to say Edward Solaire or Sanders, you know, I think those two guys are, are sort of our obvious breakouts that we've talked about a lot. Um, you know, I, I look at Jacobs as a guy who, if you just projected over 16 games, 
last year would have been fourth in carries, third in rushing yards. And I do think we'll get a bump in catches. You know, I've referenced the two beat writer reports that have said John Gruden wants to get him more involved in that aspect of the game. That's speculation. It's not the coach saying that, but I like the one story out of the athletic that he was in terms of Gruden upset about Jacobs not getting rookie of the year and is out to prove it. And so if that story is true from what the reporter is, and I trust the reporter, um, I think Jacobs could be in that 30 catch, if not more, if things really work out in his favor. So I'm taking him in round one, no matter the format. Okay. My breakout is, uh, is Rojo. Ronald Jones. I know that makes people squirm a little bit because his rookie year, he absolutely sucked. And last year he was just too inconsistent. I admit it, but there were also a lot of explosive plays, physical plays. And just to sum it up, he is the most explosive and physical running back that Tampa Bay has. And he seems to have improved in the off season in terms of size, speed, agility, uh, awareness, Pass protection, hopefully, receiving, hopefully. We've only seen like a little glimmer of the receiving in social media. But he had over a 1,000 total yards last year. He had six touchdowns last year. All six of the touchdowns came from inside of the 10. He is best suited to begin the year as Tampa Bay's lead back and short yardage goal line guy. And if he can grow that into a three-down role where Tom Brady goes, you know what, this guy's really good. LaShawn McCoy is not as good. Ogunbowale is not that good. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn isn't up to speed. Man, he will win you your league. He will have huge upside if he can come up with 30 catches like he did last year. He came up with a little bit more than that last year. But he's he's got a lot of potential. I think this is going to be his best year yet. All right, so Josh Jacobs, this is a fun stat. Josh Jacobs and, and Ronald Jones were breakout candidates. Obviously, they're in different tiers. Uh, I looked at his 16-game 16 uh, game pace, Josh Jacobs, because he played uh, 13 games. Mm-hmm. And I looked at Miles Sanders after Jordan Howard's injury, and not including Week 17 when Sanders got hurt. And their pace is almost identical. Three hundred. What was it? What was it? 318 touches for Sanders, 323 touches for Jacobs. 1,694 total yards for Sanders, 1,619 total yards for Jacobs, 10 touchdowns for Sanders, five receiving, five rushing, nine touchdowns for Jacobs. So the yards, you know, like 80 more or something like that for Sanders. The touches, five more for Jacobs. Touchdowns were about even. Big difference was Sanders was a lot more involved in the passing game. There are some questions about, you know, like none of the wide receivers were healthy at that point. But uh, I just thought that was interesting. Those two guys... Uh, I just, I'm so excited for them. I'm so excited yeah. for Sanders and Jacobs yeah. this year. Those paces are a little bit better than what Michael Thomas has averaged over the past two seasons. Michael Thomas is right around 1,500 yards and eight touchdowns each of the past two seasons. But obviously, 120 plus catches. Well, so. but, but now, like, if, if you're considering that as the upside for Sanders and Jacobs, at least in a non PPR league, the, the case is closed on who you're drafting first between those second year running backs and Thomas. Well, I mean, it's also a, a injury risk factor too. What position those guys play? So the the floor the floor is better for the receivers. Yeah, but that's that's a good point though. That's I mean, generally speaking, that I don't know if that's necessary necessarily specific to Sanders and Jacobs. No, but well, it is for Jacobs. I mean, he's he's already missed time in his career. Mm-hmm. Hot take, Go Luke, ahead. lukewarm take. 
I don't, I think injuries are overrated in fo- like predicting injuries. Yeah, look, running backs get hurt more than receivers. They do. I did the research last year. It was it was striking, but they still don't get hurt that often. I mean, you know, you don't get that many season-ending injuries to the top running. Back. I, I don't know. It just well, I, it's it's drafting for it's drafting for floor versus drafting for ceiling. It's, I, I mean, I, how many years ago did I say this to you, Adam? You draft to win championships, not to make the playoffs. You know, and and so that's the way you approach fantasy. You know, I'm never going to draft a guy because he's got a great floor. I'm going to draft a guy because he has a great ceiling. It's why I'm taking Will Fuller and Marquise Brown. If those guys hit, they're going to be absolutely yeah, rock stars. But I mean, I think I don't buy into this whole "you lose your league" in, in in the first round. Like that to me is stupid. No, you can come back from from a bad. But but you you back. draft you draft the player that you think has the highest ceiling, no matter the round. And so, oh, Thomas, I don't know if I agree with that. Well, I mean, oh, that, I, that's that's, okay. that's certainly everybody's Go personal on. philosophy yeah, and how they yeah. approach it. Well, talk, let's talk about this. Go on. Yeah, I don't mean to cut you off there. I think it's an interesting no, it's, discussion. It's, like, like Thomas is, is safer. It's the same conversation we had about Aaron Jones versus the, the tight ends and the quarterback. You know, those guys are safer, and they're awesome. Thomas is awesome. What makes Tom, you know, I don't even I, agree I, with that. Like, what makes Thomas safer than Miles Sanders? Because he plays a position that's less risky. But just, just injury? That's the only thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Yeah, that I'll buy. But statistically... I mean, I'll take a lead running back who's going to get yes. 300-something carry. I mean, that's a safer profile than a yes. wide receiver. Yes, and um, format matters. You know, Thomas versus those guys in PPR is better. Like, I think Joe Mixon is so safe. But, right, like, there's nobody's taking his job. Uh, nobody's taking goal line carries away from him unless it's Joe Burrow. It, you know, I think he's so safe. He goes earlier than I expected. I thought he'd be more like a round two pick. Joe Mixon's a round one pick. And I see it all the time. What is his ceiling, though? Like, do you take Joe Mixon for his ceiling? Because so far, he's not been able to crack that 50-catch club, and he doesn't score a lot of touchdowns. But Or do you I, take him for his floor? I think you've heard me say this uh, a few times, that Mixon, Henry, Chubb, Jacobs, those four guys profile very similar because I think they all could lead the NFL in rushing. Uh, Henry and, and Chubb proved that last year when they were challenging for that spot. And Jacobs, again, if you project him over 16 games, would have been in that conversation. Um, Mixon, I think, can 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 do that too. Um, the hope would be is that Mixon takes that step forward as a pass catcher, and I think he's already shown that he can do that to a certain extent. He hasn't had that big catch season yet, but I think it could be like what we saw from Zeke two years ago, you know, where if they do decide to throw it to him, he's going to have that opportunity, and maybe that's what we see from Burrow. The concern I have with Burrow is that he's going to run. You know, Burrow's a very underrated rusher, yep. as we saw at LSU. And so he may not just stand back there and dump the ball off. The other thing would be is that Zach Taylor comes from Sean McVay's system and McVay, when Gurley was right, was throwing the ball to him quite a bit. So I think Mixon is, because I'm concerned about Henry and I understand why everybody is certainly in the Henry camp, but I'm concerned about Henry. So I'm going to put Mixon ahead of him. I'm going to put him ahead of Chubb because of Kareem Hunt. I'm going to put him in the same conversation with Jacobs. I've moved Jacobs ahead of him because I'm more excited about him. But I think, you know, those two guys are, are somewhat in the same uh, scenario of this is the year that they take that next leap. And so, with Mixon, uh, Adam, I know you like to point out how he did in the in the beginning of the season, um, but I think that ankle injury, you know, sort of lingered more so than we give credit for. Uh, Zach Taylor realizing what his offense was and how he wanted to, you know, maybe try and get some wins to, to make himself feel better, make the team feel better, and Mixon was clearly the best player. Uh, Jonah Williams coming back, Burrow, you know, I I, I think it's a it's it's a it's too much of a knock on Andy Dalton to say Burrow steps in and he's better than Dalton when Dalton was playing well, um, but there's a higher ceiling with Burrow. And so that's what you hope for. And now AJ Green back. So I do think that Mixon has the chance to be this alpha running back um, in a scenario of contract year, better talent around him, uh, building off what he did at the end of last season, 
coaches trust him. Uh, yeah. And like you said, um, Gio will play on passing downs and probably deserves to play on passing downs, but hopefully they say we can't take Joe Mixon off the field. Mixon can't take himself off the field. And this is that big monster monster campaign that helps him for his future. That would be nice. Okay, we didn't mention Austin Eckler and Kenyon Drake as you reeled off those names, so we got to talk about them in a bit. But who will be a bust this year? Who's a bust, Dave? Pick a David. David Johnson. Dave Richard. Yeah, well, listen, <laughs> I, I don't think I would do very well as an NFL running back. I think I'm a little too slow. But David Johnson, 28 years old on a team that's, you know, we're, we're celebrating Carlos Hyde barely getting over 1,000 yards. Uh, they don't throw to their running backs, at least traditionally they haven't. It's been 54 catches per season for running backs since Deshaun Watson has been under center for Houston. They traded for Duke last year. They mangled using him. I think they're, they're getting David Johnson to fill that Carlos side role, and he's been banged up, and he didn't look good last time we saw him. So I'm nervous to trust him. And I, I even tweeted out some stuff about Montgomery over the weekend. Uh, apparently, he's shed some more body fat. I know that he's been working on his footwork down in Houston with Rashad Whitfield, but I don't, I don't trust the offense around him, and I don't trust the snap share that he'll get in Chicago. And I also don't know if, if he gets off to a slow start Do the bears say, look, we can't win with this guy. He was a third round pick that we're just going to have to, you know, limit the usage of they forced Fed him carries last year to their own detriment. But who else do they have to give carries to them? I don't think they can give carries to anybody else. I, they, they might find some jabroni that they do it with, but, but Tariq Cohen is the one they should put the ball. They should give the ball to him. He's explosive. He can make things happen. I don't think they should give him carries and say, go run between guard and center because he'll get beat up, but throwing the ball in space, create unique ways to get him the football. I think that they could be a better offense with Cohen getting more work than Montgomery, unless Montgomery proves me wrong and he shows his agility and, and a more explosive burst. Maybe that happens because he's a little leaner, but really I think the offensive line is the issue uh, just as much of an issue in Chicago because if Montgomery doesn't have that track lane to run through, it's going to be a yard, two yards more. Yeah, sure. No, that. you're right. I, I think those are two good calls. The, the one thing though about both of them is uh, I mean, everything we've seen from Bill O'Brien and Deshaun Watson, again, he's a quarterback that escapes. And so, you know, throwing to running backs isn't going to be his MO, but there's 150 targets available, you know? So with, with what, you know, Hopkins there, you know, maybe that helps those running backs, whether it's Duke or David, who knows? Um, so that could be something that helps David Johnson. And, you know, you would hope, hope that Bill O'Brien, the coach, as opposed to Bill O'Brien, the general manager, looks at why they drafted or why they traded for David Johnson and to use him to his best ability. And you're right. He didn't look good the last time we saw him, but at the beginning of the year, he was doing a good job catching the ball in Cliff Kingsbury's offense. And so hopefully that's the case that you're getting. The one thing about David Montgomery, I think, is I don't think there's anybody on the roster that is going to get those touches. I like when running back shed weight as opposed to putting on weight. You know, So I think that's a good situation for him that he's leaned out. Um, he is a good pass catcher. And one thing uh, about it for him that I think could help, and it'll help Tariq Cohen as well, the quarterback's coach is John Filippo. And so whatever influence he has on that offense, we know that they like to throw the ball to the running backs quite a bit, as we saw from Leonard Fournette last year. So – could be an interesting scenario for him. I wouldn't be shocked if his receptions total rises significantly because they do need a third pass catcher to stay on the field. And we see Cohen and Montgomery playing at the same time. Do you can can either of you name the current third string running back for the Bears according to our lads? No. No, I cannot. Ryan Nall. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. There's your jabroni. But I Nall, think David I Montgomery. Cannot. 
they could probably improve on that. Can you name where Ryan Nall went to college? Nall, I can't. Uh, <laughs> didn't he go to Nolens University? Oregon State. Oregon 6 State. 6'2", 232. Yeah, I, I think uh, David, David Montgomery. Certainly. The thing about, you, you mentioned Adam, where Montgomery, if he's going in the fourth round, I think that's just too soon. But round five or later, I'm fine taking a chance on him if I've gone running back, running back, receiver, receiver. Like I did that in our magazine league uh, where he's my third running back behind Dalvin Cook and Josh Jacobs. And that's a PPR league. Uh, I'm I'm fine with that. I'm absolutely fine with that. Round five to me is a good spot for him. I I look at your rankings, and like after RB eighteen, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, in some order: Devin Singletary, Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, Kareem Hunt. Um, rookies are in there: Mark Ingram, David Montgomery. This to me is a third tier. Uh, I think there's a lot of busts in this tier. You this got, is the group you, you kind of want to avoid. You gotta find the one you like. Right. I like wanna, this is this is this is Ben's dead zone. Yeah, but I, well, no, Ben's dead zone starts definitely earlier than that. He's not I know taking that. What Melvin I'm saying Gordon. is like that's the, the with the way that the the group is being pushed up. Like this is the group you want to really want to avoid. Yeah, but not everybody. Like not everyone's gonna be bad. But I right. want to just I'll get to Jamie's bust. We'll finish with that. But I want to make a case, guys. I want to get your thoughts on Devin Singletary because he's not at the end of his career, like Melvin Gordon or toward the end of his career, like Melvin Gordon, Le'Veon Bell and Todd Gurley. Um, he is, if any running back's going to catch passes in Buffalo, it's going to be Devin Singletary. He had I don't over, know if I agree with that. Who would it be? Zach Moss was a better pass catcher in college than Devin You Singletary. think Zach Moss as a rookie is going to come in and be the third down guy? I don't think the Bills. I don't won. think he's going to come in and be their third down back, but I don't know if Devin Singletary is going to be the third back. Could be TJ Eldon. Uh, okay. It could be. It, could, it be. could be. Yeldon had somewhere in the neighborhood of like 30 snaps in the four of the six games he actually was healthy enough to play in last year. Um, it's possible. A well, couple other things on Singletary. I, I think Devin can catch. He had, I just tweeted this earlier today, he had seven carries of 20 plus yards. He did that on 151 carries. No mm-hmm. other running back in football had that many or more carries of 20 plus yards with less than with fewer than 217 carries. He had 151. He creates yardage. He had a bad combine. He ran a slow 40. He's not a great athlete, it seems, but he looks pretty good when he plays. And the he's only Frank thing, Gore. He, the only thing, well, he's five seven. Yeah, yeah. Frank Gore, small guy. The only thing he needs is goal line touches. He didn't get. Any, he barely got any last year. Yeah, but that's the biggest problem. We had. We I've had, been gravitating uh, to him, so I just want to know how you guys feel about Kareem Hunt, or excuse me, about Devin Singletary in that group. We had Joe Buscalia, who covers the Bills uh, for the Athletic on uh, FFT on CBS Sports HQ, and he said, you know, part of the reason why they made that run in the second half was because of Singletary yeah. and the way that he was playing. He said the offense looked different when he was on the field. Um, that he thinks Moss is going to come in and take Frank Gore's touch total, but more of the second half Frank Gore touch total as opposed to the first half Frank Gore touch total. And so the question becomes, like you said, Adam, um, it's not just Frank Gore working at the goal line. When Frank Gore failed at the goal line, Josh Allen, four of his nine touchdowns came on failed attempts that Allen, that Gore couldn't convert. So maybe they give Singletary that opportunity. And again, uh, you know, Moss, um, you know, just the same rookie hesitation that all these guys or a rookie delay, you know, whatever the case may be that these guys have dealt with because of the lack of, of preseason and whatnot. Um, but I do think that uh, Singletary is, is going to face some competition from Zach Moss and, and from TJ Yeldon, maybe on a pass down situation uh, because Moss is just younger and more athletic at this point than Frank Gore was a year ago. And so, um, they're both the draft capital is the same. They're both third round picks in the NFL draft. 
uh, Singletary the year before, Moss this season. So I, I think Moss has a chance to come in and, and, and win that job uh, or w- win that Frank Gore job and, and maybe make things uncomfortable for Singletary just enough that yeah. he doesn't see the upside that maybe he could have based on where he finished last year. Last nine games, Gore averaged 8.6 touches per game. Yeah, and pretty much all of them were carries. And in the yes. in the last six games of the season, that's when they really started giving the ball to Singletary. He was on pace for 275 carries and 37 catches. And then, and he had four games, by the way, throughout the season, including the one playoff game he played in. Four games with four or more catches. So he showed that ability. Okay, we'll finish the show with Jamie's bust. Who you got? Uh, Derrick Henry for me. You know, I, I've said oh, that. Num- man, that's, that's, we should have started the show with right. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, that's that's the guy that I'm just avoiding. Um, I, I, I said it a billion times, uh, you know, 400 total touches with the playoffs, loses Jack Conklin, offensive line's going to be a concern. Um, I think you're going to see the receptions not rise uh, really by any extent um, when he had 18 as a career best last year. And so I'm okay drafting him at the end of round one. I don't get him uh, because he goes in the early part of round one in non-PPR leagues, but I am not taking him in round one in PPR, and I still see that happening. So for me, I'm out uh, on Derrick Henry. He's, he's a monster. He's a beast. Uh, but if you look at his numbers last year, 13 and a half PPR points per game in the first eight games of the season. If that's the guy you're taking in the first round and that's what we get for the full year, you're going to regret taking him in the first round. Do you remember what he told us at the Super Bowl about catching more passes? He told me at the Pro Bowl. I was watching him play catch with a little kid, and I said, why don't you, why don't, you, know, you tell Arthur Smith and – uh, Mike Vrabel to have you do that more. He goes, I'm going to try. And then he said the same thing to us at, at the Super Bowl. Yep. You know, so he said he's going to try and earn his coach's confidence, yeah. but he's been there for four years yeah, like and he hasn't earned his coach's confidence. <laughs> right. And it's not like four Arthur years. Smith, even though he was the offense coordinator last year for the first time, he was on the staff uh, for several regimes, you know, so it's not like he doesn't know what he's capable of doing. So uh, we'll see, you know, another sleeper for me, I take a lot is Darrington Evans, just because if, if Henry does miss any time, um, you know, I don't think they're changing their offense dramatically. So Evans would step into that, you know, well, and Evans can catch the football. Like mm-hmm. you, you saw it in college at app state and he also lined up in the slot. Nobody like, watched app state. Dude. Yeah. I'm not sure anyone I saw it, <laughs> <laughs> but it happened. Well, you, you know. I might be the only one. Yeah. All right, guys. Good show. Thank you very much. We've got I part had nachos two up and, uh, some, some chicken wings and a lot of other you know, finger food items while watching App State. We're like, uh, nice. I like that. Uh, we're at uh, like a month away from the season too. So, yep. Get your Sunday. Yep. Yesterday was five more Sundays. Get your Sunday, uh, whatever it is you order on Sundays. For me, it's tip. I guess it's pizza, pizza rolls. Yeah, actually, potato we, boats. More like sandwiches. Uh, get your um, Sunday game plan ready. You got five weeks to figure it out. You ever For- have alligator bites? Yes, Adam? delicious. No, super salty. There's a place called Dave's Last Resort, actually. It is in Lake Worth, Florida. Dave, you should go there. It is awesome. One of the best sports bars I've been to. Dave's Last Resort. Check it out. They are not a sponsor. They are just really good. We're done for the day. Thanks, everybody. We will talk to you tomorrow with RV Preview Part 2. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 